I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov and, oh, quit prison, I don't think you did it right anyway. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and I'm sorry, I'm still in my bathrobe. <laughs> I mean... I mean... I mean, I mean, and 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 let's just while we're saying I mean, let's also say Eileen, as in Brennan. Oh, I mean, great transition there too. I just I didn't want another minute to go by, and we didn't even at least say the name, Eileen Brennan. It was a surprise. I forgot. I I saw her, and I was like, that looks like Eileen Brennan. Then I finally looked it up on IMDb, and. I mean, Happy New Year to us all, really. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What a way to kick off 2020 is to look back in wonder at, uh, you know, an early Eileen Brennan and uh, an Academy Award nominated Ellen Burstyn and an Academy Award winning Cloris Leachman in uh, the focus of this week's episode, which, of course, is 1971's The Last Picture Show. Yeah. Um, had you had you heard of this movie before? Had you seen it? Like, what is your experience with this movie before this episode? Yeah, I, I, I think that even as we talked last week about what we were going to do, like who's up next and, you know, people that we want to cover. And there is this sort of like hesitancy almost to go back and take these deep dives. It's like, oh, man, these movies from <laughs> no, the brother. old days, what are we going to get here? Because it's just the unknown, which is stupid because we get gems like this. Like, honestly, this movie is, I have so much to say about it, but um, I knew the Cloris Leachman, I think just in my general, like, cataloging years, anytime between the age of 14 and 33, I was just kind of, <laughs> you know, I think I was just naturally drawn to see who won a Best Supporting Actress uh, Academy Award, I guess. And I, I saw that Cloris Leachman was on the list, and I knew her from, like, Malcolm in the Middle. Have you ever seen her on Malcolm of in the course. Middle? Of course, yeah. Her like bad oh, grandmother years. Yeah. It's great. She's doing yeah. great work on it. And like her career, it's 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 a little silly that that is what I my introduction to her, or that is what I kind of remember her for. But, um, uh, and I I was I found it odd that she had won an Academy Award because she just seemed like this. Uh, kind of like goofy character actress, a, a really great actress, someone I was drawn to, but and I was really excited to see that she had, at one point, won an Oscar. Um, but that is pretty much all I knew, and I knew it was called The Last Picture Show. I've heard of the movie, but I have not seen mm -hmm. it, obviously. How about you? Yeah. Um, I So I, it's funny you mentioned the cataloging because I think that was my introduction as well. Yeah. One of the like earliest 
videos that I favorited on YouTube, and so this would be from like 2006, Whoa. was a clip titled Cloris Leachman in the Last Picture Show, and it's the last scene of the movie. Oh. And so I've had this scene like sitting in my like catalog for a like I mean now we're going on like 14 years. But I'd never seen the whole movie, and I hadn't watched the clip in a while. Like, I feel like I forgot how good it was. And I also think that it is so much more impactful in the movie than just on its own. Yes. And the um, build-up, you know? Yeah, it's almost like this. Um, these Best Supporting Actress, like, puzzle pieces. And some, like, the board yes. is built, and sometimes and you're just kind of filling... I mean, first of all, can we make a Best Supporting Actress puzzle? Like, that, oh <laughs> that my should be God. our first piece of, piece of merch, really. <laughs> Just I like would love face. to do that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It'd be and like Mount to- Rushmore. Yeah. You put it together and it's just Beatrice straight screaming, I'm your wife, damn it. <laughs> it's like those things that's all like little pieces, but they all add up to like Beatrice Strait's face. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know yes. what artist does that, but we all know what we're talking about. It's yeah. like little pictures. Of, it'd be like different stills of her in that scene that oh. come together to composite her face in that scene. Yes. I think that is kind of, it's funny, puzzle pieces. That is, in a way, what cataloging is, is you're starting in in ways with a puzzle piece before you know what the puzzle is. Yes. You know? And I think that, like, sometimes it's, like, in some ways the puzzle was, you know, the movie of The Last Picture Show and, like, the the summation of Cloris Leachman's performance. And in some ways the puzzle is Best Supporting Podcast, where you get to just, like, talk about all this shit. It's like, oh, I have been putting the puzzle pieces together for this podcast. At least since 2006, according to YouTube. (laughs) So (laughs) I know. I love it. And sometimes you have to, like, kind of twist it around. You can't find you know, which piece of the puzzle you need and uh, you're still searching for someone, you discover new ones like, oh, there it is. It was there the whole time. That blue piece, a blue piece of sky. Right, Uh, right. And I was discounting it, thinking it was just from another box. Yeah, exactly, Um, exactly. But yeah, I, uh, I think that, I also feel like in that, to go along with that metaphor, that the last picture show to me was a movie that I knew that people considered to be a great movie, I knew it was considered to be a classic. It had a lot of like huge stars early in their career. And it felt like a movie that I was like, I should see. Yes. And I think kind of what you're saying where there's some of these deep dives for ourselves that we haven't really been familiar with or aren't immediately excited by, you know, just from familiarity. It's like, um, it's just that feeling of like, oh, well, I should know these references. Like I should I should take these risks that I might love something that I don't know, you know? Yeah. I mean, that mo- this movie in total felt that way of like, I should just see this movie if I like movies because it's supposed to be a great movie. Yeah, that kind of leads me to my next question. It's like, what were your uh, initial thoughts or just, you know, uh, sort of your thoughts as a whole after watching this movie? What did you think of it? Well, you know, the the takeaway that which I've had with like so many other like amazing even like older movies that people say, oh, you should see that. Like, that's such an incredible movie. And then you finally see it and you go into it. I go into it with that same thing you were saying of like, oh God, here we go. It's going to be like two and a half hour slog. And it's going to, yeah, I'm not going to, it's not going to have any gay whistle tones. It's all going to feel very kind of like dusty. And I feel like that is such a, I've been proven wrong by that again and again. And in fact, what ends up happening and what happened with this movie is that I come away just like, just like, whoa, does anybody else know about this movie? This is incredible. Like, this is saying something really significant. And it's like, yeah, 
everybody knows. Everybody knows. And yeah. so, it, like, that was my feeling watching this. I was like, damn, this was like, like, John and I sat down to watch it last night, and I said, okay, so go into this with the with the lens of we're we're not just watching some like bullshit thing to get stoned in front of. We're gonna like we're gonna like take in some culture here. We're gonna like get the references. We're gonna appreciate what this is doing and take in some art, you know? And yeah, and kind yeah. of like put that energy into that, you know? Uh that's beautiful. I think that like to kind of build on that, you said just I am excited to be proven wrong by my own ignorance of the, these movies. Um and, and I welcome it again and again because I just need to set that aside. And I think the more movies that we watch, there might be some that are, you know, that might fall into that category. But most of them, I mean, thus far, too, we haven't really gone back too far. But we've been doing a lot of... I feel like we've been stuck in the 70s and then we kind of jumped so ahead like the and kind of jumped back to... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the 60s, um, too. We have a lot in the 60s. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But I really... I'm still thinking about this movie. And I, I did watch it all in one go, too, because I was going to split it up because I was like, oh, man, this is going to be long. And I, I'm in mm-hmm. Erie right now, and I'm, we're, we're doing things. But I watched it kind of all in one go. Uh, I think it was like two days ago in the morning. It it feels... Oh, gosh. I mean, if there's one thing I love about the like this like sort of setting is like the... It reminds me, in that case, of like just a little bit of the hours with Julianne Moore, but like, especially with Cloris Leachman's character, like not, not sort of scorned housewife, but just sort of lonely. What is my life kind of uh housewife is like one of my key demographics, really. I think those oh. are like really mm-hmm. fun to watch. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But within that, there's like this sort of desolate, empty, bleak, deteriorating, like colorless palette that this movie is set in that just adds to that too i'm so glad that this isn't black and white i I think back to virginia wolf too like how that sort of lends itself to it and because it was the 70s they could have done it in color yeah Um, yeah totally i think it it, that sense of like this this sort of fading world you know and and, you know this town on the end of at the end of an era and i think that that like the black and white quality it yeah i don't know for some reason that does make a difference and I think that there are ways the movie could be done to kind of highlight the sort of the the barren wasteland of living in the middle of Texas and the sand mm. and the dirt and the big wide open sky and all that. But I think this was, I think what that kind of suggests is a largeness, whereas I think what this movie is suggesting is a smallness and like a, um, like everything feels very, it's as if the movie had too small of a budget to do big scenes because everything just feels very small and um, kind of in the middle of nowhere, you know? Yeah. And, and the wind, the wind is so important. And I feel like most of this movie, it, it doesn't necessarily take place in the winter. There's no snow, but I feel cold. And a lot mm-hmm. of the characters are kind of just sort of huddled and walking from building to building um, and of course it takes place, you know, sometimes in the summer too, but those, those scenes where it feels the most desolate is just like these howling sort of winds and dust and doors flapping in the wind that just, uh, it makes me sad in a way you really kind of are that tone is set from the beginning too, because I feel like it opens just with like, <laughs> like five minutes of that. And I think I was oh, getting yeah. a little bit worried. I was like, okay, what's we signing up for here? I had the um, same feeling at the beginning. Yeah. I was like, oh God, this is taking its goddamn time. And then it, <laughs> but honestly, like once, 
like even like you know and the first scene i'm like okay where are the women where are the women yes exactly you know and that was a problem but you know now in retrospect like i could go back and watch all that and be totally engrossed you know yeah this is a movie i would totally watch again honestly Mm -hmm. i think that um it might be a hard sell for Keon, but I, I I don't know if he would want to watch it, but I would certainly watch it alone again at some yeah. point. Yeah, I, I feel like there's something about watching this movie knowing everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I yeah, think yeah. it was really, I think that's actually the benefit of so many things that you and I haven't seen that are so amazing is that we, it's like what I always tell people who haven't seen the comeback or any other thing that I love is like, you are so lucky because you are about to experience it for the first time. And it's so good. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we're getting is like that exciting first time experience versus the like, Oh, here comes that great scene. We know, you know, yes, you kind of get to have, it's sort of what you were talking about last week with like, imagine being an opening night of dream girls, you know, we get to have that with so many movies because we haven't seen them yet. Yeah. That's a great way to sort of frame, um, you know, our sort of, or my sort of hesitancy to like sit down. Here we go watching. Because some some of these are like two and a half hour movies or two yeah. hours and uh, whatever minutes. Um, but um, I want to, I mean, speaking of the late, I feel like our first lady that we meet, is it Eileen or do we meet Sybil Shepherd first? I feel like we might see her first, but really it's all about Eileen. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, it's like, the movie, this is a great movie in terms of supporting actresses because Eileen Brennan, Ellen Burstyn, and Cloris Leachman yeah. are in such almost quintessential best supporting actress roles. Oh, yes. You know, and I think, and the, the size of the roles, how they play into the story, the effect, the fact that each of them kind of gets a moment or a speech or something, like they all get whistle tones. And yeah, they do. Sybil Shepherd, I mean, she is a very. She's a very interesting energy in this movie, and I think mm-hmm. it's a great choice. I kind of like that she's not really an actress, yes. and I like that there is something very unstudied about her. Um, but, I mean, it's—I I, I, to basically echo what you said, really, it's about—regardless of when we see Sybil Shepherd, it's about whenever we see Eileen first. <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested in J.C. Farrow, um, the, yeah. the doughy-eyed. I mean, beautiful— beautiful actress that uh Sybil Shepherd was in the mm-hmm. 70s my lord she is and everyone wants her and that that's sort of I hate to just pigeonhole her to that sort of role but she I was just reading about it too this is her, the first film she's ever done and the director like kind of scooped her out of you know this uh, wherever she was at the, I think she was like a model for she magazines model. or so yeah. yeah so yeah he saw it in her magazine cover and said I want her yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um but I mean Eileen Brennan just playing the uh, it's like the two packs a day sort of waitress at the diner. No, it's that in, in, in itself is deteriorating, deteriorating, excuse me. And um, I just really love what she's doing from the get go too. And she's like sassy with all the boys and she could kind of hold her own mm-hmm. attitude, cigarette acting. It's everything. It's the whole yeah. package. I like that she is um, – there's a there's a certain moment with Sam where I think when he lets Sonny stay and eat the burger and she kind of smiles at Sam and he's like, what are you grinning at? And I like that Genevieve is like – and I think it, it, like she and Sam are the only – they're like the – it's like they're who's left of the good old days of this town, you yeah, know? And then of. Sam dies and she's it. And I think that's fascinating that like Genevieve represents – 
the last person who really knows what the good old days of this town looked like. And that, and, and I think that that's the fact that her character is never put on that pedestal. She never says that she just is it, I think is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, and that she, I mean, she is that grizzled diner waitress. And yet there's also this kind of dark, mysterious quality about her as well. Yeah. Like, I feel like, um, there's ways in which she reminds me of like a Christina Ricci or even like a Feruza Balk. Like there's just this Ooh. this kind of weird witchy energy about her that elevates it from just say like a, you know, someone who's just kind of chewing gum out of the side of their mouth, you know? Yeah, she's a little bit imposing or just sort of almost like we don't know any of her story. I'd be in- We know a little bit, just a bit. I mean, I feel that she also, I can't remember, maybe chime in her relationship with sam like i feel like everyone was in love with sam at one mm-hmm. point in this town i think that he's just the guy that um everyone was kind of drawn to because of who he was and the energy that he gave to the town and he was sort of that core of what was left like you said too but it, it's all i feel like eileen brennan's eyes and maybe that's sort of like the, the christina Ricciness of it all too mm-hmm. because they both have very distinct eyes um it's kind of what uh, informs her sort of yeah i feel like she could get like and she does it uh, to an extent like she can give you shit and fire right back at you if, if needed to but she's also very warm mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the town therapist you know it's, it's, she's like a bartender without being a bartender if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah yeah she navigates into some of the same energy that we talked about like in um uh in the fighter you know with, oh. like melissa leo and, and yeah. amy adams like there's a little bit of that where it's like you you want this person to like you because they're kind of a hard ass, you know, and you want to be on their good side. And, yes, exactly. Um, and, and I, yeah, I think that she, I think what's great about her as well is that she is not, she's a woman in a movie where it's not about a man. It's not about a love story. It's not yeah. about, and you know, it's Sam is, it's a love story. Everyone is having a love story with Sam, even the yeah. men, but for her, it, she's not in a love triangle. She's not, you know, in love with anybody. It's, she's never, it's like that sort of like Bechdel test. Like she can have conversations that aren't about a man, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's, um, there's a wisdom about her that, uh, is like on par with Sam, you know, like I think there's even a respect for her that is on par with Sam. I think they fear her the same way they fear Sam, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, every diner has that head waitress, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So to Mm -hmm. speak that, you know, the one that's uh, the mama bear of the group and she is the mama bear, but she's also something else, a little extra, uh, a special, not even extra. That sounds like, you know, so extra, but she's, (laughs) but she's not, she's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I was just so glad to see her. And I, I had just listened to your, um, Matron episode, um, with Johnny about clue. Oh yeah. And I just, Mm -hmm. It really kind of, because like for me, I mean, we could go on about Clue forever, but I think Eileen Brennan is it. She is it in that movie. Like she mm-hmm. is the woman to watch. And, I, and for so much, you know, of course, like she's in, um, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on the other women. Madeline like, Kahn, Leslie Ann Warren. And Leslie Ann Warren. I can't yeah. believe I forgot that. Jesus. Um, <laughs> but, but it is, it's all about Eileen Brennan. It's about mm-hmm. that look. Um, the look she gives when, uh, I mean, the one moment that you pointed out when she shakes her head and then she nods her head mm-hmm. and someone's explaining it. Like we, we still don't know who the murderer is. She's like, mm-hmm, and then she nods and shakes her. It's just perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, I, that's the end of my thought. 
she's, yeah. she's, she's perfect. I mean, where where to go from there? She's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, you know, it makes me, I mean, the other thing that I love about this podcast and just like any of these things that kind mm-hmm. of have us diving into new things is then it just opens up the catalog of like, what else of Eileen Brennan's am I not familiar yeah. with? You know, I mean, I know she was nominated for an Oscar for Private Benjamin. So at point, mm-hmm. some point we'll do that year. Yes, but, I'm excited. You know, it's like, there's like, there's stuff she's done on TV that I've never seen. I love, like, I think she's been in a couple of failed sitcoms that I, I love to find episodes of failed sitcoms from the eighties. And um, there's compilations on YouTube of the intros to all of these sitcoms and TV shows from like the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, some of them that I'd never heard of, like never knew existed, had no idea anyone conceived this of this show. And what's great about all of these is that Every cast has at least one person who like went on to be famous. Oh, you know? I love that. Yeah, it's yeah. always like, oh, what's Ernie Hudson doing in this? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, oh, Marissa Tomei was in this. Like, it's yeah. things like that. So it's like a, it's like a, it's a level of cataloging that I don't even think I'm prepared for. I know. So you know, <laughs> so much to mine there. It's great. Yeah, yeah. But Eileen Brennan is certainly in that mix. I think she's got a couple of a couple of shows. If you're looking for a little more Brennan in your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give us um, our daily Brennan. Our yeah. d- <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, we need it. We yeah. need it. <laughs> you really leaned in on that joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, anyway. Uh, yes, oh, there's so much to discuss today. And I feel like, obviously, Ellen Burstyn, we will talk about when we yes, talk about the nominees. Mm-hmm. So maybe we just get into the nominees. Yeah, I you know, I think, I think we're, we're there. We're there. Um, so as usual, and I'm going to get my IMDb and all my tabs open. Uh, at this point, I like to take a look at the awards across BAFTA's Golden Globes and yes. Academy. Um, Academy, like I'm some kind of expert the oscars i just was looking at the tab and the first word was academy yes let it be known that colin put on his glasses it's the I academy did. glasses yes i put on my academy We're at that glasses. age now <clears throat> yeah. yeah for your consideration i have on my academy glasses um so this year was actually really interesting in terms mm-hmm. of who won and even nominees so yeah. for the baftas this is interesting because Margaret Layton, who is nominated for the Oscars this year as for Mrs. Maudsley in The Go-Between, she had actually won the BAFTA the previous year because I guess their schedules are, are different. Oh. Um, so, and I, I was trying to track down um, The Go-Between. It was hard. Yeah, it was hard. I didn't I heard, really find yeah. anything. I heard she has a great scene in the end. So, you know, okay. maybe we'll come back to it. We'll add it to the list if it's any good. Um, <laughs> the list. The list. But uh, this, so this was actually part of the 1972 BAFTAs. And what's exciting about that is that that includes Shelley Winters for The Poseidon Adventure, who oh. was nominated for an Oscar the following year um, and won the Golden Globe. Um, Marissa Berenson for Cabaret. Uh, Eileen Brennan was nominated for a BAFTA. I love that. Ellen uh, uh, Burstyn was not, and Cloris Leachman won. And Eileen was nominated for the Best Picture Show, the Last Picture Show, right? Or was it? Yeah, a different she film? was nominated for the okay. Last Picture Show. Yeah. So yeah. I love like that recognition of like, oh, yes, I was know? excited to read that too. Yeah. Yeah. So then at the Golden Globes, if we hop over there, so the Golden Globes, Ellen Burstyn and Cloris Leachman were both nominated for the Last Picture Show. 
Diana Rigg, who's a British actress, so it's interesting she wasn't nominated for a BAFTA, but she was nominated yeah. for The Hospital, which I've never seen. No, not have I. <clears throat> and then Maureen Stapleton was nominated for Plaza Suite, which is a Neil Simon movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm not familiar with that either, but she's a frequent Best Supporting Actress nominee, so we will see her again. Yes. Um, and so that year, Anne Margaret won for Carnal Knowledge. She yes. won the Golden Globe. So... There was no telling who was going to win the Academy Award. I love that, though. I yeah. I love that a lot. Yeah. And then we get to the Academy Awards, and it's an interesting mix because, of course, we have Margaret Layton uh, for The Go-Between, and we have Anne Margaret as Bobby in Carnal Knowledge. And then we get Barbara Harris <laughs> in Who is Harry Kellerman and Why Is He Saying Those Terrible Things About Me? And um, obviously, Ellen Burstyn. Um and that is leading me, obviously, that is leading me to where I need to pause. Um, actually, no, because this is going to be a long pause. So before I do all that, let me hand it over to you. Of all these names and all these performances we've talked about, I want to hear your thoughts, your feelings, your takeaways. Sure. Um, what's your side of the side? Um, well, like we just said, Margaret Layton, um, I couldn't really find a lot of clips on YouTube without really sort of purchasing the movie or the film. Um, but... Um, that's kind of all I, I didn't find anything, unfortunately, but, um, and Margaret, I found a few clips. Um, and I mean, my God, she, I don't know what age she is in this movie, but I feel like it's the perfect, like, she's like a fine wine and Margaret, she's so sexy and sort of mysterious. I feel like her and featuring also a young, very sexy Jack Nicholson, who's yes. like, in a in the Na- towel, yeah, oh, mm-hmm. the towel. Yeah, I mm-hmm. saw that. That was the thumbnail on the YouTube clip, and I was like, "Click!" <laughs> he broke the mouse. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, I I feel like it's just uh, what I've gathered from that film is there's just like a relationship between the two of them. It's very tumultuous. She's like this sexy woman, um, and that's sort of that. But I I've seen a couple clips of her just sort of going to a twenty seven. So I feel that that's very deserved deserve it um and that's really all i know about carnal knowledge really um yeah yeah um, i, I know a little it. bit about it i'd, I'd yeah. heard the title before and i knew Anne margaret from the grumpy old men movies have you seen those oh yes okay. i mean we i grew up with those and we watched them so many times i mean i actually uh. really like the sequel a lot too with sophia loren Yes, it's I actually like the sequel more. Good... Yeah, same, same, same. Yeah, uh, um, and I love the bloopers at the end. I remember going to oh. the theater to see that, and my mom and my brother and I just like losing our shit. Like, just it was like like one of my fond memories of childhood was watching grumpier old men in the theaters with my mom. It was it's... so good. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I mean, those four actors. Like, I'm trying to imagine if there was like a remake of that movie, like. Because they're such heavy hitters. They are so yeah. they were so well known in that um like when they were younger and to kind of just get together and have fun like that. It it must have been so it was satisfying for me as a kid, but I'm sure it was probably even more satisfying, which is probably why they were so successful, because I feel like those movies were a big hit. Um yeah. with everything. They were so good. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Um so I so to your point, yeah, Anne Margaret, fine wine, just gets more and more beautiful. She's Sophia Loren really as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the other end. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. I want to watch Grump Your Old Man again now. I know. I'm kind of <laughs> craving it. Yeah. yeah I, yeah. I think that it's, oh, I, I would be interested to go revisit that. Mm. Um, we'll talk about Ellen Burstyn in a moment. Too, or should we talk about Ellen before Barbara? Well, or you know, we let's do this. I guess, you know, I'm happy to let Ellen lead into, since she's part of the movie, you know, it might kind of blend into kind of talking about Cloris. Sure. Um, so I, I think that, I mean, we're probably not going to really talk about Mark, you know, Maureen Stapleton or Diana Rigg. I'm not assuming you're like, oh, I'm a big hospital fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know her. I don't know her. Um, let's talk about Barbara Harris. Oh my gosh. Um, so I want to know, I, I, I think the question needs to be asked too, because I don't, you've mentioned it a little bit before, but what is, how did you discover Barbara Harris? What is your first point so, of entry for the, her? When I started in the details, um, I guess it was a listener, uh, Craig from, he was an R8 Mary listener and he, uh, I guess something I was talking about or whatever, like, or just kind of talking about, you know, nuanced actresses and whatnot. And I, I guess I kind of put out the bat signal, you know, early on when I did in the details, like, you know, who else should I be looking out for? And actually one person had emailed talking about Kim Stanley and that's how uh, I learned about Kim Stanley. And so Craig had said, Oh, you should really get to know <clears throat> Barbara, uh, Barbara Harris. And I think she had just passed away, like not long. Um, like she had passed away, I think maybe like a month after I started in the details. So wow, ships passing in the night, you know, I know. So I'm keeping the memory alive, but yes. he, so I guess that kind of put her back on his radar, but he talked about this movie that I mean, talk about a movie where I'm like, oh God, I'm not gonna watch this. I don't think I'm gonna like this, or I wouldn't think I would. Yeah, it was this Disney family movie from 1970 called The North Avenue Irregulars, Whoa. and guess who's also in, in it? Cloris Leachman, <laughs> oh and my she God. is so. I mean, you kind you should see it because it's all yeah. women. It's all women, Ugh. and Cloris Leachman has a moment that may be like one of the my favorite actressy moments. It's, wow. This movie was so funny and was so good. And Barbara Harris was just like so nuanced. Um, she actually, if you'd ever seen the original Freaky Friday, she plays the mother in that as well. So I feel like that okay. was yeah. like, you know, so I, I knew of that movie, but I didn't really know that was her. Yeah. So once I saw that, I was like, okay, so she's great. Love her. And then I saw that she was nominated for an Oscar. And so... I found just like the clip of her, like I searched Barbara Harris and, you know, I found the clip of her on YouTube and I think I sat on it for a little bit because I was like, you ever do that thing where you see the thumbnail and you're like, oh, okay, I probably know what this is going to be. All right, whatever. Sure. Like, yeah. You kind of, you decide what a performance is going to feel like or what mm -hmm. you're going to be like sitting through for the next six minutes or whatever. And then I finally watched it and I... I just, it was like everything stopped. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. where have you been? It was everything I loved. Just yeah. like hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And um, and that, that that was it. I was sold. I just, every, like, I just love, I love what she does. I love her style of acting. I love what she does in that movie. Um, yeah, I just fell in love. And so that was my introduction to Barbara Harris. I was floored by this clip that you sent me. So I, I, I think that anyone, because it's, it's a, it's just the full movie is on YouTube. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you can watch the whole movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if you search that, I mean, and you said too, I mean, it was perfect instructions. You said her entrance is about an hour and 12 minutes into the movie. And um, anyone 
I mean, in addition to everyone on planet Earth that should just watch this clip, but especially if you are an actor, I feel like it's so, so real. Like she's, she's this, this audition and she comes in and I just love the idea of auditioning on a stage too. Like that is mm-hmm. not done anymore. Like it, it's typically just some studio, some ballet studio where it's like, it's, I don't know, it's stark and it sucks. And, but like, there's something about being on stage that feels so great. And it's hard to describe. It's like, I'm not giving anything away by going into it either too, Mm -hmm. but she just has this energy and the scene before to Dustin Hoffman, of course, Dustin Hoffman is just the through line in this podcast. Yeah, really best supporting Dustin. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he was talking to this guy in the back of a car. He's like, do you remember that, that gal that auditioned a couple weeks ago, whatever it is. And he's like, and he's like, no, I don't remember at all. And he's like, well, I, I remember her. And honestly, how could you forget this woman? Because I mean, she goes on such a journey. It's, it's probably, I don't know how long, it is, but I feel like she talks for like nine minutes straight. Like mm-hmm. she just babbles, but it is so uh, calculated is not the word too, but like we, we always use these words. Like it's so lived in. It's so natural. It's so funny and charming and devastating. And uh, she's playing so many levels so seamlessly without being like, because this could very easily be like chewing the scenery sort of moment yes, too. Like, yes. I'm just so nervous. I'm at an audition, blah, 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 blah. But it's not. There's so much like bubbling beneath the surface of who this woman is without even really knowing who she is too. She's an actress who's been auditioning and pounding the pavement and working her day job and uh, has just kind of had it really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's and she doesn't really know how to do anything else. And she's maybe a little too old at this point or not old enough. You yeah. know what I mean? For like she's in that weird era of like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not the ingenue, but I'm also not the matron, you know? I mean, the moment she won it for me and God, Colin, I hope you know this moment because mm-hmm. I, I rewound it. If that's a word, rewinded, rewound. Oh, Lord. I, yeah. you know, you I went, went back, back and watched seconds. it. Yeah. 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 And I watched it probably about four times in a row because it made me cackle is when she pulls out her sheet music and smacks her own face, like her chin. Ah, it is. I don't think I've ever noticed that. Oh, you have to go see it. It is. It is something extraordinary. And it's such a small choice to be made. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone's sort of been there in an audition. I think maybe just because I've been there. That's why I, I, I saw it immediately like if if they ask you to sing a second song or you're just shuffling with your sheet music and you're nervous she pulls it out of her bag and it kind of like fumbles and like smacks her in the the chin really quickly it is the moment she won it for me like that was exceptionally good um it was so great uh i mean i I, and i'd read somewhere and i don't i don't know but i assume that this is probably true is that most of this scene she improvised that's crazy. Um, because she's one of the founding members of Second City. Uh, so she's just like, yeah. And so there may be, like, I imagine there's probably, like, some beats that she needed to hit and maybe some lines that she had to work in. But as far as I know, um, like, for example, when she says that her, her character's name is Allison Densmore, yep. Densmore is Barbara Harris's middle name. So I so because I I dug into all this for the in the details episode on this scene because I was like okay I need to know everything I can find on her and I couldn't find it verified but I saw like comments somewhere saying like oh you know all of this was improvised or you know a lot of this was Um, but you know it, it just it would make sense to me also because I don't know how. I don't know how you couldn't improvise this I don't know how you could script it I don't know how you could 
you know, tell someone here, do this thing. Um, yeah. Like, and at any moment, I th- like, I watched it again recently and there's this, the moment she wins it for me, I mean, the most obvious one is when she says it's my birthday and she cries a little yes, bit when she says that it. that is a moment. That just stole my wig and ran out of the house the first time I saw that. <laughs> but towards the end of the scene when, uh, I mean, the end of the scene, there's two moments that I love. Mm-hmm. There is when she realizes that she says, hey, I let, I've let go of the lamp mm-hmm. and now I've got your arm. And then she sits back and she goes, like she does this thing like, huh. Yeah. And it's this like very like, oh, what do we do with that? And it's this brilliant body language, dramatic, you know, physical drama. Yes. And then the way that the camera is set up when he's like lighting the cigarette for her or like there's something where mm-hmm. his hair is blocking her face. Yes. And yes. then it pulls away and the the look on her face is the the devastation that there's oh the human oh there's so many words for what she's doing in this scene yeah i I just i am in awe it is i in a in a completely obscure movie an actress that a lot of people don't know about because she didn't want to be famous i think it's one of the best performances i've ever seen in a movie it's really exceptional i I, yeah uh, we could go on and i I, there needs to be have you done in in the details episode about i did i did it i did a whole breakdown of that actual scene so like it goes beat by beat yeah much to like this kind of goes along with our sort of thesis of the episode like i i will see an in the details episode that i haven't i don't know anything about and Mm -hmm. as as opposed to like running to youtube and watching it i'll kind of like store it away knowing that someday i'll get to it Mm -hmm. and that is one and now i can't wait to listen to that episode i'm really really excited Um, yeah there's so much happening at once you know yeah the rhythm of her thoughts and how she executes everything is i i love that i now know that that was mostly improvised because that makes it even more great one of my favorite lines that she says i need this on a tote bag she's like i got three good notes and i can never seem to get to them Uh, yeah (laughs) just so great after she sings and she has such a lovely voice too like she She does is talented um i love grabs that ghost light it's so great oh one of my favorite nuances and, and john and i say this all the time is i'm sorry i can't leave i'm sorry i can't seem to let go of this lamp like there's just this like so it's, it's the way she goes i'm sorry that uh-huh. i just like oh god it's the opposite of how you would play that line because most people would like uh, maybe break down or like i'm sorry i can't or be sort of inside themselves but she's not apologizing for it she's just like well this is this is happening and i gotta just ride this out until i let go so do you want to come up here and talk to me it's just this whole stream of consciousness it's beautiful it It is a beautiful performance yeah yeah it's really it's such a little like it's such a gem yeah uh you know and and so uh, i think i mean Let's talk about Ellen Burstyn sure. and Cloris Leachman because, but then I think a question is going to come back, and let's just pose it now. Okay, is should Barbara Harris have won the Oscar over Cloris Leachman? <sighs> but before we answer that, let's talk about Ellen Burstyn. Yes, always. Yeah, oh we'll deep God. tease that one. Um, what What was your thought? I mean, what's your? I'm assuming um, you. I mean, I think I know you've seen Requiem for a Dream. Um, we've probably yes, even talked about it, but are there other things you've seen her in other than Requiem for a Dream? Um, 
it's very limited. The only thing that I, I have seen is an episode of Louie, actually. Uh, and I think oh. she might have had a, a little bit of an arc, but she played um, his upstairs neighbor. And she is she was from she some like Eastern European um, sort of woman who um, she plays the mother of the woman that Louis C.K. was kind of seeing at the time in the show, mm-hmm. too. She's great. Yeah. She, it's kind of this sort of um, in and out sort of character. But I know there's more work that she's done that's probably beautiful that I just haven't seen. So how about you? Um, Well, a tangent, it is uh, a a tragic shame. And I try to look at it the same way I look at, you know, uh, Rosemary's Baby or a Woody Allen movie. There's so many great women performances in Louie. Oh, Lori yes. Metcalf. You've Joan seen Lori Rivers. Metcalf. Joan, yeah. Oh, Joan yeah. Rivers, Melissa Leo. Yes. Um, uh, what's her name? Who's, uh, uh, God, I'm blanking on her name. The woman who, Pamela Adlin. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's just so many great woman performances. Yeah. And one not so great male performance. I and know. so, um, so, yeah, Requiem for, sorry, Requiem for a Dream is probably what I know Ellen Burstyn from the most, other than The Exorcist. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and she's great in that, but I feel like it always bears mentioning and repeating that she was brutally robbed for the Oscar yeah. for Requiem for a Dream. I mean, this one's for you, Amanda Kaczynski. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pour one out. Pour one out for BSA, Amanda Kaczynski. But it's true. It's so true. It's true. It is so yeah. true. And Go finish your thoughts. Sorry. Oh, just I mean, I just think based on merit, based on performance, based on like the things that we would like to see a performance recognized for, Julia Roberts. I it was so much more than just the performance that won her the Oscar, you know, yes. and that's the business of it, probably right. Like that's so it, like that's where it's not just about like who was the best because it's hard to even compare any of them. But I think if we were to use any kind of like measurement the work that Ellen Burstyn does in that movie to not be rewarded is just like banana peppers. I just can't believe it. Yeah. I, it's so interesting talking to you about this because uh, Amanda Kaczynski famously uh, for good reason too, has just is a scorned woman because of uh, <laughs> Julia's win <laughs> and will we'll never forgive Julia Roberts for that. <laughs> um, but I, and I know you also really love and appreciate Aaron Brockovich. So I think I that do. there's, and I think Amanda could, I think she, I don't know what Amanda, I feel like she doesn't really love it. Um, I just think it's a solid script. Um, mm-hmm. I, I see why she won, but I, it's like when you said, but I don't like it. But I don't <laughs> like talking. it. <laughs> but I don't and like it. Who was that? Who was that? That, that was, was Vicky Cristina Barcelona. That was uh, yeah. Penelope Cruz. And then you looked out like the it. window and you're like, I said what I said. <laughs> it was great. Um, I am very rich, bitch. Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. Um, it was, it was her year, like you said, the sort of star power and momentum of Julia Roberts sort of transcended or transcended, uh, I think that's the word I'm looking for. Um, the fact and sort of overshadowed Ellen Burstyn because of just the, you know, the A-list celebrity versus the A-list performance, really, if we're looking through that. But, um, what do you think of Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich? Like in any other year, maybe. You know what I Maybe. mean? Maybe it's, it's a solid, per- it's not a bad performance. I yeah. don't think, I think that she gives a really great performance. I think it's like Jessica Lang and Tootsie. It's a great performance. Yeah. 
is it Oscar caliber? I think it's more of like, this is the closest Julia Roberts was going to get. Yes. And it's recognition of that. I mean, she has some really, the, the scene in the car when she cries on the phone, of like course. it's yeah. great. Um, I, I will say that, you know, my very first episode of In the Details I did on five, you know, uh, five essential face journeys. Mm -hmm. And one of them was from Aaron Brockovich, but it wasn't Julia Roberts. It was uh, Mark Helgenberger, who plays the woman. Yes. Uh, and she, I mean, it get was like. Get out of like, the pool. Get out of the pool. Get out of the pool. Get out. I mean, that scene, it's I mean, I so guess great. it's. Like, to use that as a comparison, like, there was some, like, fucking good acting, you know, yeah. in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think. In comparison, Julia Roberts, you just kind of saw her. It was like a movie star with a great script. Yeah. Yeah. As you it's said, like, great script. You can also, I mean, I think this is even worse of a tragedy, but Sandra Bullock winning for The Blind Side, which is at I best just... a lifetime original movie. Ugh. Who else was nominated that year? It was I the mean... year of like Precious. Um, it was oh. the year of. I think it was Julie and Julia. Um, yes. A sort of interesting performance for Meryl, of course. Um, I, I think it was also, am I, it might be the year of like an education, possibly. With, I think um, you're right. Yeah, that was the year of, of Precious. That was the year of uh, Carrie Mulligan for an education, Meryl mm -hmm. Streep for Julie and Julia, and Helen Mirren for The Last Station. Oh, I mean, okay. I haven't seen The Last Station. I actually, I haven't seen an education either. Um, I've always been, and I guess maybe we'll talk about this when we talk about Precious, but I've always questioned a little bit Gabrielle Sidibe's nomination. Sure. I've never felt like it, I felt like it was, if this, if Aaron Brockovich was a great script, Precious is a great role. Yeah. I don't yeah. know yeah. if yeah. it's a great performance. Sure. I can't wait to get to that year and talk about that with you. I think it's going to yeah. be one of the ages. Because on the flip side, I think Monique gives one of the best performances of the century. As, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so Ellen Burstyn, uh, obviously robbed for an Oscar. Was she robbed for an Oscar for the last picture show? I don't think so, but I think the nomination is totally worthy. I think so too. If not for that monologue in the car about Sam, Sam the lion, I, mm -hmm. I love that she gave him that nickname and you don't know. Cause she is this sort of like distant, boozy, icy mother who has, I don't know. She's just kind of coasting because she's rich, but she's bored. It's a great, role to sort of sink your teeth into and could easily be just that but i'm glad like you said that all these women have these moments and i'm so glad that they were able to have that and i think that is that is the moment she wanted in sitting in that car with sunny and just kind of talking about what her life could have been yeah it's that scene it's really beautiful uh when that scene happened it was like yeah the whistle tones played of like oh ellen yeah. burston is like when she does that thing where she kind of gathers herself and she starts to get a little teary eyed and she says, you know, uh, I get too sad if I think about, about Sam too long. And it's just yeah. immediately I was like, okay, all right, give it to us. You got this. The scene is yours. Like, yeah. Take off down the field, you know, like run I it all know. the way to the, to the end of the field of the game that you're playing with the ball. I, yeah. you know what I mean? Like touchdown, Ellen, touchdown. Um, <laughs> exactly. Like it was, because there is a, there's another great scene earlier when her daughter comes home from hooking up with uh, that guy who she also sleeps with. Yes. And she has that silent, like, 
transition through emotions of seeing her. She knows. And kind of, uh-huh. Yeah, and she knows. And, like, she goes from kind of being, like, disappointed to realizing to being jealous to being motherly. And, like, it's a really incredible little face journey. But I think that scene is a little bit more about the, the about Sybil Shepherd's character than it is about Lois. And I think the scene in the car is really Lois's moment to... Yeah. Like, I think... I mean, it's it's the last time we see her in the movie, I think, as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I don't know, like, I, I think what's so interesting about her character and how Ellen Burstyn plays it is that this is someone who is, in a way, kind of acts like, oh, I'm not bound to certain, like, conventions and rules, and she's, like, this rebel. But she's a rebel, like inside of like a snow globe like there's nowhere to go with this rebellion you know um yeah. she's still trapped and bored and so like it's it's like if she was really a rebel she'd get out of this town you know yeah she is this sort of it almost feels like she doesn't belong in this movie or like you said like this town she is rich and is of a different class honestly too but she's still a part of the fabric of the community too. She still plays mm-hmm. her role. And I think that she, it, she knows that and she enjoys it to an extent too. I mean, I still think she gets along with everyone or at least like, I don't know. There's it's, I, I just love the way that she talks to Sonny when she drives him home after like mm-hmm. him and JC get married. She's like, all right, kid hop in. We're going to take a ride there. There mm-hmm. is a little bit of warmth there as well that I, that doesn't come out all the time, but I, I like her. I like her a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I wish, I wish we could have seen more of her, of course, with any best supporting actress uh, or assistant to the best supporting actress, as we'll call yeah. her. Such, yeah. There's all these movies with double nominees that we're covering. I'm, I'm really pleased, honestly, but um, yeah, yeah. I love a double, a double nominee for one film. That's, it's great. Or double BSA yeah. nomination. Yeah. Well, I think it, it kind of brings up that, like, is there, you know, the assistant to the BSA or is it, I mean, like, I think of, you know, whenever we, we do the favorite, you know, where there's Rachel Weiss and, Ooh, you know, yes. uh, uh, Emma, Stone, Emma Stone, where it's like, I wouldn't, both of them are, I mean, you know, in some ways, both of them are leads, you know, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would definitely say that Lois is is kind of the assistant to the supporting, best supporting actress. Oh, yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's a great performance. I love the recognition of it. I think she has some really like unique moments. I think she, I think, I mean, I think Ellen Burstyn is just like, like watching this, I kind of was like going through her filmography of like, she's in, there's another movie like that she's also very famous for. Alice doesn't live here anymore. That I think was from like 1974 or later in the seventies that she may have won an Oscar for actually. So I feel like that's what it was. Something yeah. Like that, yeah. So I'll probably go and add that to the list, but she's, um, she kept reminding me of some modern actress, but I couldn't put my finger on it. There's something mm-hmm. about her. And then I kept thinking, am I thinking of like DJ Tanner from Full House? Am I thinking of <laughs> Candace Cameron? I hope not, you know? Candace Cameron Burr. Yeah, Burr, excuse me. Um, <laughs> come on. Come on. Uh, so I think all of that is leading us to uh, one Miss Cloris Leachman. Yes. Um, who in fact did win the Oscar. And as we like to do here at Best Supporting Podcast, uh, let's take a little listen in on her Oscar acceptance speech. Oh, thank you. 
I'm having an amazing life, and it isn't over yet. <laughs> Remember when Ben Johnson said in the last picture show, I fought all my life against whatever he said, and I feel I've fought all my life against cliches, and look at me, I'm a hopeless cliché. <clears throat> I can't uh, thank anybody. I feel that we all have, are part of each other, that we've all contributed and we work together and we're all the same people. And uh, I love you all for, for all the experiences I've had, except that I want to say, to Cornelia Williams Hurlbut, my first piano teacher, and Rose Lorenz, <laughs> my dancing teacher in Des Moines, and, and uh, my father, Buck Leachman, who paid the bills. <laughs> Wait a and finally, my mother, whose imagination and, and funny sense of humor and almost water, Walter Mitty uh, life herself led to all of this. And I am deeply honored. Thank you. I, I don't know why this might be one of my favorite speeches. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Like, thus far, I think it's great. Yeah. I love the banter beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, go for it. Yeah, what are your oh, thoughts? Oh, I'm just trying to think what... What did she say her father's name was? Buck Leachman? Buck, Buck Leachman, I mean. And, and my father, Buck Leachman, who paid the bills. Like, the way everybody just laughed. Like, it was such a moment of giddiness, like, from her and the audience. Like, it was so funny. Like, she just, I mean, I think what resonates is that, like, Cloris Leachman at that point was, you know, a known television star. She was a known yeah. funny lady. You know, she was, um, like, she just, like, it's the kind of thing where, like, this was, being in front of a bunch of people, being funny and charming, even if she's winning an Oscar, it's like this is her wheelhouse, you know. Oh yeah, I I just want to give a little like side, uh, just celebrating Anne Margaret sitting mm. in that seat, looking like she is about to lay an egg. She, I know. <laughs> like, I was, I almost felt bad so for her. Same. I was like, oh no, you're not gonna win it because she won the Globe, so yeah. she had some momentum. It's like, yeah. um, and I think she just really. Thought it could have been her year too, um, but it wasn't, and that sucks. Ugh. And it sucks, and it's like you could see the rationale of like Anne Margaret was a big movie star at that point, but I oh, don't think yeah. there was anything else that she was necessarily considered like a serious movie star. Like she did yeah. like some Elvis movies, and like mm -hmm. like I think that she this was like her, and I could be wrong, but my sense is that this was a real kind of like you know Cameron Diaz and Gangs of New York moment. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is her serious moment. And so I, I think like they even said kind of in presenting the awards that like this was the first time all the five nominees had been nominated. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, only Cloris, uh, Anne, and Barbara. I'm surprised Barbara Harris was there. Only the three of them actually showed up for the ceremony. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, I wasn't worried about Barbara Harris because she never wanted to win awards. Like she actually yeah. said that she'd sometimes pick projects that she thought wouldn't be com like commercially successful because she didn't want all of like the fame and whatnot to go with it. What a but, gal. Yeah. What a gal. But I mean, she, you know, in the seventies, she got nominated for a slew of like golden globes and, yeah. and she won the Tony and like, she's, um, 
like despite her efforts, she still kept getting recognized. So, um, <sighs> but yeah, and Margaret, I agree. I was like, oh, I know oh, it's no. it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. But I think the glee and the and the there's something genuine. It's like that comes off of Cloris Leachman, and you see it in like interviews with her, and you see it in all of her performances, and like what I've heard. I think I talked to someone who worked with her once. Is she's just everybody loves Cloris Leachman, like that she's yeah. just one of those Betty White kind of people, you know? Of course, yeah. She she calls herself a cliche, which I'm I'm so interested to like unpack that. I wonder what she meant by that. Do you remember that? She's like, and I'm just. I'm such mm-hmm. a cliche. I don't know if it's just like the cliched sort of Oscar speech or the cliche of a person. I don't know what she meant by that. I tried to like think about that, but I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assumed don't. it was like, here I am the, like the gushing, you know, someone accepting an award and I'm just like everybody else going, Oh my God, I can't believe it. I'm assuming that's what she meant. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Thanking people. Um, but I'd love that she like thanked her. What was it? Her, her piano teacher. Was it I, uh, her piano something? teacher? And her first dance instructor, and then yeah, Chuck or you know Buck Leachman, who paid the bills. Paid the bills. I love that. I mean, like the fact that this woman had a career in Hollywood with the name Cloris Leachman is, in and of itself, um, and I think she was like a Miss America winner or contestant at some point. Like wow. she's a pageant girl. Cloris Leachman is a pageant girl. I love that pageant queen. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Cloris Leachman sounds like. Ugh, it's, I just think of like dark green, muddy water. <laughs> like yeah, well, Cloris, yeah. Cloris. Yeah. Like I feel like in in you know later in her career she like leans into roles where like the character's name could be Cloris Leachman. You know, oh, like, yeah, it's such an old she, woman name, but I love yeah. it. She grew yeah, like, into it. It's such a mean old grandma, you know, lady who lives next door who steals your basketball kind of name. You know. <laughs> Exactly. But, exactly. You know, she is. Um, I will say, uh, for if you want to see more, like obviously she's been on Mary Tyler Moore, and she's great in that. She had a spinoff from Mary Tyler Moore called Phyllis, which I haven't seen, okay. but the opening intro of Phyllis is on YouTube, and it's so good. Ooh, um, it's great, and the song will be like stuck in your ear. It's of course, it's yeah. so good. I'll add it to the list. Yeah, um, and then there's a movie. She's she's been in a shit ton of made-for-TV movies, but there's one that she's in that I think it might be on YouTube or you might be able to track it down. I highly recommend it. It's called Dying Room Only. Mm. And it's spooky, but it's not, like, too scary. It's not, like, okay. it's it's a TV movie, a, a movie of the week from the 70s, so okay. it's pretty safe. But it's about this woman and her husband who are, um, oh, played by Dabney Coleman from Tootsie. Ah, he's um, everywhere. He's everywhere. He and Dustin Hoffman. Um they are on a road trip and they're like somewhere in the desert and they stop at this like rest stop to use the phone and she goes to the bathroom and when she comes out, he's gone and like everyone or like uh, anyone who's around is being really like creepy about it and like she's just trying to find her husband and it gets like really tense and like really wow. good. Um, so okay. I highly recommend it. Yeah. For like more of like Cloris Leachman, serious actress. She's amazing. Yeah. So should we unpack a little bit of Ruth Popper and and what your thoughts are and yeah. your moments? Uh, it's so just like for anyone I guess who hasn't seen the movie, like on paper, this is a woman who, I mean, I guess her they're painting her husband as almost like a gay man, kind of that smack at the yeah. beginning, 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what I don't know if you had read. And there was a there's a making of on YouTube that I okay. watched, um, and I'd read in the comments as well that that was the idea was that the coach was gay, yeah, and that there was an additional scene in the locker room where he like had something going on with the quarterback, yeah, and so like Cloris Leachman had said, yeah, like the story in her mind, you know, and the, how she played it was that yeah, her husband was gay, yeah, which I didn't catch on at first. Like I actually laughed because the only clue that we have towards that or like to make that assumption is there's a basketball practice. They're running back to the locker room or maybe it's football, but they're just running around in the basketball court. Um, And then he just slaps his butt. But it's like a classic, like seventies zoom in, you know what I mean? It's like smack. Mm -hmm. And then they just like zoom in on his hand on his butt and then it's gone. And I was like, that, that was weird. And it wasn't until I read about it this morning that I was like, Oh, that's what they were trying to do with that. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, which I think is, is is a really interesting layer, you know, of like, oh yeah, like it, it adds to it, it adds to this this town that's like this little you know ghost town disappearing in the middle of Texas, and there's so much like stuff going on underneath the surface, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love a little bit of gay in there too, you know. Yeah, oh, of course. So it's just so basically, it's a woman who's very lonely, housewife, has an affair with Sunny. Um, who is our sort of quote unquote like leading man of the movie, at least mm-hmm. in the younger generation that is like him and um, Jeff Bridges, who's so sexy. Jeff Bridges. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the two it. of them, I felt like Timothy Bottoms was giving me like Ryan Reynolds meets yes. like Nick Jonas. Meets, yes. like, there was someone else he looked like as well that we saw last night. And I can't remember what it was, but just like Ryan, oh, Ryan Felipe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I think that because um, one of the things for me, I was like, is this relationship? Because I Cloris is 46 when this movie mm-hmm. was filmed and Timothy Bottoms, I, I wrote in parentheses, Dusty Ray's brother, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, is 20. Um, but Cloris mm-hmm. is playing a 40 year old. So that that gap, I was I looked up uh, celebrities who are 20 and I looked up celebrities or women who are in their 40 or 40 I think 40 mm-hmm. or 46, but I think I'd looked up 40 year olds and like it would be almost like a January Jones, like Kate Hudson or even Claire Danes could have played this part in their time too. Um, to me, it just feels so crazy to me because it's like, yeah, it, it, I mean, and I know they're not lean, like, like, I guess they are kind of making, you know, a note of her being older, but like, I wouldn't think of any of those actresses as like older actresses. Same. I feel, you know, like this doesn't that doesn't register. That's crazy. Yeah, and I looked up twenty year old like male celebrities, and of course, because I felt I felt like such a dinosaur because I don't know any of them. But the mm-hmm. only one that I could really—he's not an actor at all—but just to kind of put that some sort of you know point of reference is is around like Sean Mendes, like his age, oh, who I I feel like. Only because so John and I were just in Houston for for the holidays, and so until we figured out how to connect our phones to the radio, so we could just listen to Spotify, yep. we we had a little bit of radio time, and I think there was a Sean Mendez song. Mendez, I don't even know how to say yeah. his name. Um, yeah, song, yeah. and I was like, oh, oh, is that who you are? Like I I've heard this yeah. song before, I've heard that name before, and I like that's yeah, I feel so out of touch. Yeah, I mean. Sean Mendes is 
extremely sexy. I don't know if you oh, know what he? he looks like, but uh, I would suggest looking that up. It makes me I'll feel a little bit gross, list. but he's not. I mean, he's 21. It's like 14, 13 years away from me. Anyways. Mm. Um, but, oh, that's but, crazy. But just to kind of, because I feel like he has that same sort of sexual energy of that 20-year-old that could, if he was an actor, like they would cast him in this part if they did a remake. Um, yeah. To his yeah. like Claire Danes, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Like, yeah, if they were to, I mean, if they were to remake this movie, yeah, I mean, in some ways, I wouldn't be surprised if they did get, like, Nick Jonas, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Oh, God, I know. But back to Ruth, Ruth Popper. Um, Ellen Burstyn was sort of cast before Cloris Leachman, I think, because she read for Ruth Popper, and she read for, um, uh, I can't remember. Uh, I, she I read think th- for, Ellen Burstyn had, she read for all three roles. She read for Genevieve, she yes. re- read for Lois, and read for Ruth. Oh, that's what it was, yeah, Genevieve. Yeah. yeah. And the director just said, like, pick whatever you want, um, but if you like the the academy award winning role is going to be ruth and she said that she didn't even care about that because she herself was going through a divorce at the time she Mm. didn't want to play anyone sad (laughs) or unhappy um which is crazy because like you feel like anyone would jump at that chance and to know that she went on to win it that's crazy but also right you know you got to watch out for your own mental health (laughs) yeah and i and i feel like to kind of embody the role of ruth and to like I don't know to get in, like get into that headspace and and be that woman would be yeah. really heavy and really yeah. hard. I mean, I yeah. think there's something about there's something in. I mean, it, again, going back to the idea of like physical trauma. Yeah, like, <clears throat> there's there's something about the way that Cloris Leachman kind of carries herself as Ruth, and there's like a slowness about her movements. A lot of times, it's almost as if she just came out of surgery, you yeah. know. And, and then there's these moments like you know, when they're on the floor and like she's, and they're eating cookies and, you know, she's talking about changing the wallpaper and the bedspread and she feels like she's just like come alive, you know? Yeah. And I think that those differences in, in the way that she even just carries herself is so, um, it's like a relief when she's not in that kind of like fugue state of Ruth Popper and when she like comes to life, you know? Oh, yeah. Even that first outfit that she's wearing, she looks like a flight attendant of some sort. She yeah. she looks like 15, older, 15 years older than she should, I guess. Like mm-hmm. she looks... Because she just has that bone structure, that like her, her cheekbones and like she... It's like these sunken in... Is sallow the word? Is that what I'm looking for? Uh, yeah. Sort of yeah. facial structure that... Um. Yeah, and then she sort of goes back. She, you see her from that to sort of like flouncing around her bedroom and dancing and picking out like a dress. And mm-hmm. um, but I think uh, I mean really the moment where I because I I was just kind of as we all do when you first you know there's a BSA on the screen, especially one who's actually won the award. You're just kind of watching to see when that first moment is too. And really, yep. I think the first mm-hmm. moment for me is when her and Sonny sleep together and and, and just like the face that she's making when she cries Mm -hmm. and when she turns his face away when he starts to like look at her when she's crying and she just like turn like she just pull like pulls him closer so he can't look at her that there was like this kind of like violent pull of like no 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 no, you can't see this and that was yeah that moment I was like, okay, this is like, 
she's already got it but like this is just kind of like clinching it you know yeah there's so many questions to ask there it's like is this Sunny's first time is it the first time that she's ever really felt you know that sort of feel like she's been having i don't know if she's like dated anyone before you know coach mm-hmm. what's his face um yeah i don't think she had i think feel... they were together for like 20 years and i think it was just kind of like she was like any other girl from a small town in texas where you meet somebody and this is who you're with you know yeah and is she just crying because of the disparity of the situation too or it's is it is it joy is it, it there's so many things that you could fill in the blanks uh for for that situation it's it's incredible she's and just the lighting and the shot too i just think it's she's beautiful she really is beautiful yeah and she's such like an interesting like i what i like about Cloris leachman is that she's beautiful and yet she can make herself look ugly or can play ugly i guess is Mm -hmm. what i want to say is she can play ugly and I use ugly with big air quotes. So I mean like ugly in that there's no vanity in her sure. performance, you know? Yeah. Frumpy. And I think that, yeah, yeah frumpy. Um, it's like she's somebody who's who's not afraid of angles that might not be flattering mm-hmm. or, you know, doesn't need makeup or is okay with, yeah, with just kind of, I don't know, I guess kind of ties into like vulnerability. Like I think it ties into like why this performance is so good is because there's no vanity to it. And yeah. um and yet there's these moments like I think like that moment when they are sitting there eating cookies and she's talking about changing the wallpaper. And when he says like, you know, what would the coach do if he found out about us? And she just very casually says, no, yeah, I'd probably shoot you. He's kind of always looking for a reason to use his gun. Yeah. There's something kind of beautiful about her in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so interesting is that it's like she's every once in a while, this like spirit of Ruth will emerge and this like be- and the beauty queen of Cloris Leachman emerges with it. And yeah. otherwise she just plays like all the barnacles on top of that, you know? Oh yeah. Even just like the build up for her and Sunny, like at the dance it, oh like the sort of you know, sort of town hall hoedown that they, they mm-hmm. throw, which looks fun, by the way. Um yeah. and everyone kind of knows each other. I think there's something, just like as a side note here, there's something so lovely about I'm, I, I hesitate even saying this because there's so many things wrong about the 1950s as well. But just the casual nature of everyone in the town, like, I think I'll go join the army or I think that I'm going to get wasted and drive my car home or just like there are there are no rules almost. Uh, th- there's mm-hmm. there's no sort of it's so different because this was filmed in the 70s about the 50s. It's a sort of farewell to that era in a way, too. Yeah. That, um, that is just so interesting to watch and fun to watch too. But I, I do like the idea, even though I don't think that I personally would like to permanently be in this situation. I do like the idea of everyone kind of knowing each other and being familiar, but at the same token, and I think this is why it lends itself so well to the movie. Everyone knows each other's business. Like Lois knows that Ruth Popper and Sonny have been hooking up for a while. Because mm-hmm. everyone just knows, and everyone might know that Coach Popper is probably a homo, and mm-hmm. that Ruth is lonely. Like it's, uh, it makes for better story too, honestly. Yeah, I, I think that I get what you're saying. I had that same feeling of like, oh, there's, there's this cozy sense of community, and everybody, like, yeah, a I sense of belonging. Yeah, 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 and and you know that there's a thing you're gonna go to on Friday night, and everybody's there, and you know everybody, you know, and like, yeah, 
how that would feel of like, oh, I'm just seeing my friends every week, you know? And I think that like, it is, it's everything you just said. It, that all feels really good. And then on the flip side, it's like, oh my God, like, you know, as, as Genevieve says, like nobody sneezes in this town without somebody offering them a handkerchief, yes. you know? Uh, and I think that's what probably makes it all the more devastating is when things start to change so dramatically. Um, you know, Sam the lion passes away and that poor kid gets run over by a truck. And those guys, Ugh. I was fascinated by that scene mm-hmm. where they're just kind of, well, it's like, well, I guess he shouldn't have been on the road. That's the people in this town are crazy. And like, well, I guess we should go get some lunch now. I'm like, someone has died. You hit yeah. someone with your truck. Yeah. And because he was sort of like a, um, I guess we'll just say like a special needs sort of character that mm-hmm. they're just casting him aside. And I did like that scene with Sonny and where he yelled at them. I was waiting for someone to yell at them to be like, you just killed someone and you're yeah. just acting like it's nothing. Yeah, that was, and it was such a different like moment from Sonny that we don't see the rest yeah. of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that moment, that scene and the final scene with Ruth and Sonny, um, they did not rehearse those scenes previously. Wow. The director, Peter Bogdanovich, like, wanted to keep it fresh, did not want to play. He didn't want to see what they were going to do. He didn't want to get the second take. He wanted to, like, basically said, we're not going to do this scene till we're filming it. And so that the way that Timothy Bottoms does that line reading of, like, you know, he was sweeping, you son of a bitch or something yeah. like that, it's so raw and it's mm-hmm. so... Un, I think it's so unfiltered and so unrehearsed that it's perfect. Like yeah. it's so striking, you know, because it's so interesting to watch men interact in that time period, and especially when emotion is needed but not necessarily allowed to be. There's no permission for them to be vulnerable or sensitive mm-hmm. um, because even it's funny just watching um, Sunny and Dwayne say goodbye to each other like Dwayne's about to go off to like in the army and he's just like all right bud I'll see ya yeah (laughs) crazy there's no yeah mm -hmm. it's like you can almost feel like they want to hug yeah they just can't they can't yes yeah um well you know and I think that like that's uh I don't know I I think about that with like the character of Sam I mean Sam is such an interesting uh it's such an interesting role he won the Oscar as well yeah uh, ben Johnson was a you know longtime you know Hollywood actor in a lot of westerns, and um, his last movie performance, which I saw a couple months ago, and I had seen a number of times recently because I had HBO as a kid. But it is the sequel to Terms of Endearment, The Evening Star. Have you ever seen oh, that? Oh yes, Colin. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Like reasons why I'm gay, Scott Wolf. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I mean, Shirley MacLaine. I can't wait for that Steel Magnolias episode. I've been dreaming about it. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you want. Um, anyway, The Evening Star is a great movie. It it's is. Got, it's a great movie. I love it. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, so he was in that. But um, but yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think the... That character, and especially like the that last scene when, uh, like his last scene before Sonny and uh, Dwayne, um, yeah, Dwayne, Jeff Bridges' mm-hmm. character, when they go to Mexico, there's like that last shot of him with that like sad look on his face, and I just thought like this is, I think this is the interesting side of what you're talking about, where mm-hmm. 
when these men are not allowed to show their emotions and you get this moment alone where there it is just like yeah. clear on their face yeah. and it's like that much more powerful because you so rarely get to see it yeah and i'm not saying that's the benefit of men being stoic and not showing emotions but yeah in a movie that kind of economy it can be really powerful exactly and because one of the lines that he does say in that scene is like oh if i would have been if i would basically if i was younger or had the energy i wish i could go with you mm-hmm. um, yeah. and he's like yeah. do you need and i was surprised that he kind of he offered them some money too i feel like he's a mm-hmm. little bit of a more like you take care of yourself i'm not responsible for you sort of guy but he is that he's kind of like the i mean like we said before he's the genevieve to the to the boys you know what mm-hmm. i mean like he he takes care of them and makes sure that he keeps them in line and makes sure that they're not you know, that they're making themselves, they're being the best version of themselves that, that he can sort of allow them to be, I guess. I don't, but it is. And of course the monologue by the river is like oh. beautiful when he's yeah. talking I mean, about what we eventually learn is Lois, um, Ellen Burstyn's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, that scene by the river is really beautiful. And it's also like, I, there's that kind of textured way in which men are allowed to show, emotions together and and the things are allowed to be nostalgic or sentimental about and i i like that movies now don't have to adhere to this like i'm again i appreciate it for the artwork in this movie and the storytelling of it but like give me men crying all day any day you know talking through tears dealing with things up front hugging give it to me all of it i can handle it you know yeah exactly even that conversation that they have, they're never looking at each other. It's like men can't, I mean, he's, he's like telling this beautiful story and they're both just like staring out, which I guess, I mean, they're by the river, but still like a conversation like that, I would be looking at the person or maybe just like Mm -hmm. kind of glancing at them. And he, I don't know, it's sensitive and, um, it's vulnerable at the same time, but he's still being Sam and there's sort of that, but I, I, yeah, I, I would, I would want to be friends with Sam. I feel like I would feel safe and uh, welcomed in his presence. And I think that's why so many people liked him in the community. Yeah. That is. Yeah. 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 I think there's, there's just something about, yeah, just about he's, it's almost like he has best supporting actor energy, like, like the gay whistle tones of a best supporting actor. um, I think is Sam in this movie. I think I haven't quite identified what makes a best supporting actor the way I know a best supporting actress. Yes. But I know that Sam is like quintessential in some ways. Yeah, it's it's hard to uh, to articulate. And his speech is so charming. If you have the chance to look it up. Um, oh, is it? Okay, It's really great. And he's everyone is just like so happy for him, really. And mm-hmm. at the end of his speech, he's like, there's only one thing I can really say is that this couldn't have happened to a better feller. And he, that's the last thing he said. And it's like, it's oh. so great. He's yeah. so just like, it makes sense that he's in a lot of Westerns. I think that like mm-hmm. this sort of like the, you know, uh, what am I saying? Uh, he won a, an Oscar for True Grit um, back in the oh, day. Oh, John Wayne. John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was like, yeah. I, I kept saying Dwayne in my head and I couldn't get Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> Dwayne's and Wayne's. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Ben Johnson was uh, very reluctant to do this movie because he just like, I think he said he he looked at the script and he was like, oh, too many words. Like he just, he was not into yeah. monologues and yeah. dialogue like that. And Peter Bogdanovich had to get John Ford, who directed a lot of these Westerns to like yeah. contact Ben Johnson and say like, 
do this movie. Yeah. Um, because I guess the director was like, Peter Bogdanovich was like, listen, like you're going to get an Oscar for this or at least get nominated. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, sure enough he did. And so I think that that was sort of interesting context that like, this was something he like resisted doing. And now it, it feels kind of indelible in a way. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, I guess well, we should get to the scenes. Should we get yeah, to the last say, scene? Yeah. Speaking of indelible moments, uh, I think that does bring us to um, a, an incredible, incredible scene. The last scene in the last picture show, um, after um, Billy dies and um, Sonny kind of, you know, breaks from that, and then kind of as a last resort, I think for some kind of compassion or or hope or you know just comfort he goes to ruth's house and it's been months and um yeah he she opens the door and she's there she is in her bathrobe and uh and i believe that there's kind of a bookend of the first time she opens the door to see him and the last time like i think it's a very similar shot yeah uh i I remember that scene of her kind of swinging the door open and like looking at him Mm -hmm. um and then, of course, yeah, he it, it starts, and, and what I love is that there is that kind of, like, quiet energy. We don't know where it's going to go. We we don't know what Ruth is going to do. We don't really expect her to do what she does. Yeah. We expect everything up to the pouring the coffee of welcoming him in, apologizing for still being in her robe, and then it's like then we see her pouring the coffee into the cup, and then her hand starts to shake. Ooh. And to me, it's like... It's like the scene in Hereditary. It's the I am your mother scene. It's, oh, God, it's coming. It's coming. Yes. It Keep going. Yeah. I mean, oh, sure. I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's it's one of those things that could, you know, obviously could be too much. Like, I, mm-hmm. and or it can be perfect if it's done right. And, like, when she throws the coffee cup and then throws the whole coffee pot against the wall, um, it's a little bit reminiscent but more effective than the dish smashing scene in in the bedroom. Oh, I don't think I know that scene. The scene with um oh my gosh, it's like it was it's the scene when Sissy Spacek um confronts her husband and she says, "Um you let him get away with everything." And she smashes the dish. I don't know it, Colin. I can't oh, wait. Oh, I can't oh, wait. Well, we'll have to just oh my god because Add I it mean to the list. Yeah, in the bedroom. I mean Celia Weston is in in the bedroom. Oh, same. What are we doing? More. <laughs> Marissa Tomei was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for really? In the Bedroom. Oh, God. I, I'm pretty right. sure. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sold. Sold. It's a great movie, and don't look up anything about it. I will. Just watch it. Okay. It's so good. Celia Weston. That's where I discovered Celia Weston. Anyway, Ooh. sorry. Um, anyway, so I think that, anyway, that idea of, like, smashing dishes, of, like, you know, having that kind of histrionics, like, that could be too much, but I think mm-hmm. the movie earns it, and the meltdown that she has is so and like i think like the director had talked about this that she was like obviously cloris leachman had been preparing for the scene and she'd been wanting to kind of like show him what she wanted to do and he's like i don't want to see it i don't want to see it like we're gonna do it when we do it and i think he had said there was so much like nervous energy in her doing this scene that she was like breathless doing it and it just informed like if you think about it Cloris Leachman has been waiting to do this scene and like anticipating it and 
in some ways, Ruth has been sitting on this for months of like, where the fuck have you been? And like, well, I didn't like when she says, I keep apologizing. I didn't do anything like yeah. the I didn't do anything. She's been sitting on for months, oh, you know, yeah. and it's it, it like to me, it is quintessential going to a 27. Yes. Just actressing. It is. Oh, I, I lo- like I could watch that scene over and over. It's really satisfying for any like BSA enthusiast uh, or just anyone who appreciates great acting from women to I think that um, it makes so much more sense that um, this was not rehearsed at all. I can you can sense that you can sense like what mm-hmm. you just said, the nervous energy of trying to get this right or. Um, since it is such an explosive scene, you, it's like you get, it's not, you almost get one shot of throwing the coffee because I'm sure they could have refilled it if they wanted another take too. And I, I, I read that they did it and she, she's like, I think I could do it again. I can make it better. And he's like, nope, you just won an Oscar. So we're, yeah. we're, we're done. That's, that's yeah. what we needed, uh, which is, yeah. it just makes it so much more exciting um, to know yeah. that and to also uh, just see her. Because it is kind of rough around the edges. It's it's like almost a little bit. Um, I could see the opportunity for making a better take or doing another take to maybe do like finish. Oh, could you maybe throw it above this or maybe in this moment, like an opportunity for to make it better. But I'm so glad that they didn't go that route because it is real, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No, that's exactly what I was thinking is like, I think because they didn't do that, the moments where she might have acted more, mm-hmm. you know, or like hit the moments harder or like put more of a period on something versus a bit more of a run on sentence, you know, like I think mm-hmm. it may have from a like a from like a performance standpoint, an, an acting teacher might say that's a clearer performance. Mm-hmm. But I think for the effect of the scene, like the effect of seeing it come out a little bit, you know, edgy you know or or with frayed edges i think only makes it better and i think if we saw a second take or we saw kind of like cloris leachman putting in the effort knowing she's acting Mm -hmm. might have not been as good yeah because when you if anyone i mean i've never thrown a coffee pot against the wall but i've certainly been angry at people and when you're in that situation and when you're just kind of spewing out whatever's on your mind this is what that sort of represents and i'm uh, yeah yeah it's and then we get part two of this where it's just Cloris Leachman sitting at the dining room table or the kitchen table there. The lighting is beautiful, by the way. Mm-hmm. She's <laughs> She just looks radiant. Um, and the talking through tears moment where she says, because I watch with subtitles. I don't know if you did. Um, I should have. I considered doing that. Yeah, I should have. Because she starts a sentence and she just can't get it out. And the word that she's saying is the word it. She says it. It, but it doesn't really sound like that. And I think that's like, it's important and not important all at the same time because I wonder what that sentence would have been. She Mm -hmm. just couldn't get it out. And she changes her her entire like trajectory of what she was going to say. She she erases that. She composes herself just a minute and starts something else, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that moment is incredible when she just, she starts to say something and it's like she's realizing that, I don't know. I think I, I think that she is realizing that he's too lost right now or that he's too young or that it's kind of like there's a moment towards when they first meet when I think he said I think when she's crying and he says, oh, well, it'll be easier once, you know, basketball starts because then the coach will be home more often. 
and she says you don't understand at all do you yeah and i think that i think that that's really kind of the continuation of this at the end is he'll never really understand she'll always have to be not only older but wiser even when she's weaker and you know or in this moment of weakness we actually realize like oh she's gonna have to be the stable water still you know because you know he's I don't know. I also think that she, in some ways, he arrives to her house in a state that she's been in for a long time. So it's kind of like welcome. Yeah. And I think that the way that she kind of pulls herself together and then fixes his collar and it was like, you know, uh, you know, don't you worry about that. Like, don't you, whatever she says, it's, it's just like, I don't know that it's, it's not this like beautiful happily ever after. It's like depressed ever after together. Yeah. It's really bleak for lack yeah. of a better word too. And even in those moments, like you said, she's always sort of going to be, and the way that I would say that is like taking care of him and always mm-hmm. having to play that sort of mother role. It's like she gives him cookies after they like just had sex you know what i mean it's yeah because i found that almost a little bit creepy that she was like offering him cookies but it makes so much sense because he technically is around the age of maybe they're like 20 years apart you know like mm-hmm. people had kids earlier my mom had me when or she had me she had my brother when she was 22 so it's it's almost yeah it's it's sort of borderlining that relationship of mother son and she know and and just kind of navigating those dynamics too. But um, I, I one of the moments that I loved, and I think this is well, maybe I should save it for the moment she won it. But we're kind of you know bleeding into that section anyway too. But um, yeah, she, the I last mean, yeah, should we? Yeah, because I think we? we're I I think we are. I think yeah. we're at the moment she won it. So I'd say go for it. Is and this is a micro moment too. Beyond all the like the beautiful things that we just described too and this scene too because the scene as a whole is the moment she wanted but i i loved mm-hmm. when sunny reaches for her hands and she sort of trembles a little bit too mm-hmm. like as she's she doesn't pull away she keeps it there and then they sort of just like touch hands for like a minute at least they're kind of just like caressing each other and it's just a nod to like this is the kind of the last in my mind, the last sort of physical moment that they're they're going to have together because she knows that this is not going to work out. Um, yeah. And beyond the like gasping through tears, it's it's almost like the Monique, the who, 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 who's going to love, who, who was supposed to love yeah. me. Like it is very in that same arena. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my moment. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that moment is all of that is is really it's it's all in the minutia. It's all in the nuances mm-hmm. and the details. I think. I mean, I think my, there's a couple. There's, I think when she, when she turns his head away, when she's crying, like that yeah, moment that was, was so striking. I think when she says, like, I didn't do anything. Like, I think there's something in her voice that is so, like, gay whistle tone, like, highest pitch possible. It's just like, yeah, wow, 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 wow. Like, that, that choice, it's just, um, it's just so devastating. Like, I think... Um, it, I don't know. There, there was just something about that that was so raw that I, um, yeah, I was just so blown away. I was so blown away by just like the pure raw emotion that she was displaying. And some of it I think was just that she didn't realize she was like 
Nate that was the only take she got. Yeah. Yeah. And and Ugh. that was really magical, you know? And not um, knowing that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I also, a special like, note, just to her like comedic brilliance, is like when she's trying to get her her nightgown or whatever, or her shirt over her head, and she gets stuck. Yes. <clears throat> and then when she pulls it out and she kind of like recoils when she, like from him, it's this like great little moment of of her just like remembering that she's also like a genius comedic actress oh, and can like insert yeah. that, you know? I remember that too. And I think that those sex scenes or like the one that we do see, I, I it drives me crazy because like every, you know, sex scene that we see on like television or movies, it, they're always so... Uh, I don't know choreographed and but like sex is clumsy sex is awkward it's like they're especially like the taking off of the clothes like they're not doing it in bed they're like taking it off before they get in bed too which is such an interesting choice but mm-hmm. I loved it because it is it it speaks to like what's going on like I'm a 40 year old woman about to sleep with a high school senior or at that point maybe he's graduated who knows and I'm cheating on my husband and it's so um I liked that a lot. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like I, I agree. I think more movies need to show how difficult it is to get jeans off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um. I think the one thing that I want to just add is, is the last line of this movie. I think it is, mm-hmm. even after all of that explosion, after saying, I don't have to apologize to you, and just going back to this role of like her always sort of having to comfort him, she says, never you mind, honey, never you mind. Mm-hmm. Like, don't That's worry about is. me. I got, mm-hmm. I'm, I'll be fine. Um, when yeah. really all she wants is to be taken care of and to be loved this entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, uh, it is, it's so, it is so not a reunion of lovers at the end finding yeah. each other. Yeah. Like it's not that it is, it is everything but that even though they, they do kind of reconnect. It's such a unique you know, lovers, you know, reconciling quote unquote moment that, you know, to, to kind of continue on Cloris Leachman's assessment, like, you know, defies stereotype. It's not the typical ending. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. And I, and, and I think is in line with this movie that like, this is, there is no happy ending here. There's not even necessarily like an unhappy ending. It just is ending, you know, like it's, you know, the, it, and I think that really struck me was how um, I think that concept of like the heyday and like I look back at certain things in my life that are over now and I think, wow, like I remember the heyday of that thing oh, and yeah. it doesn't exist anymore. Or I remember when it stopped, like less people showed up or I was less engaged or whatever. And it's um, I mean, like in some ways, like I think of. <laughs> like I think of All Stars Two as the heyday of RuPaul's Drag Race recapping. Oh, yeah, I just rewatched yeah. it on Hulu, and I was like, ah, oh. it brought so back so many memories, and it was still so good. It's the best. Yeah, it really. It is. was just like so fun, and like it I just. I alive. think. That, <laughs> yeah, and like I was so like engaged with it, and now it's just like this different relationship, and yeah. so that really resonated. Um, now, I, I planted the lead earlier, and I think before we move on from Ruth Popper in the last picture show, I think we need to return to the question at hand. Yeah. Should Barbara Harris have won the Oscar over Cloris Leachman in the last picture show? 
I, I, even when you posed this question, my blood ran cold. I just didn't know. I, I know. I, think, I know. I think that like in our sort of like have this, had this have been like the Westons and not the Academy Awards. Yes. That the West, that it could have, I think there would be, um, in my mind, there's like a separate best supporting actress category. There's two of them for just like a scene stealer. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a one moment, like a Beatrice Strait. Um, or in this case, Barbara Harris, too. Um, I didn't watch the rest of the movie. I just watched that audition scene. Um, so I don't know the whole trajectory of her character or what happens after that, too. But I think it's almost like that sort of Marissa Tomei, um, you know, theory that we have going that if it were any other year and maybe she it's like that she should have won. But I'm, I'm glad Cloris won. And I think if it had it not been for this last scene... I would say yes, that Barbara Harris should have won. But I think that that being said, that Barbara Harris scene is a masterclass of everything that you should watch, like as an actor, just to like be inspired or just learn from too, because Mm -hmm. it, um, it is uniquely special and, I'm so glad you had me watch it too, because I would have been like, "What the fuck is this movie?" Who's I know hell- yeah. the title is so long, and so I would have never found that on my own too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's my very long-winded answer. Of I'm, I'm, I think Cloris should have won. I'm glad she did, but Barbara Harris is uh, that. I think will stick with me longer than um, uh, Cloris's performance in this, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I think I feel exactly the same way, yep. is that I, I can't begrudge that Cloris Leachman is doing just phenomenal, phenomenal work. Yeah. Like, it's just so good. And I, I, like, I think it just makes sense. Like, yeah, I get it. It's in a movie that was nominated for Best Picture. It had other nominations. Who is Harry Kellerman is a totally obscure movie that I think had zero other nominations yeah. and was a flop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that... Um, Cloris Leachman was already a star at the time. Barbara Harris was a different kind of celebrity, you know. There's a lot of reasons why I get why she didn't win. But I think from like a, yeah, from a sheer impact standpoint, I will always really love like that last scene in The Last Picture Show. Yes. But I will always be like affected by Barbara Harris. Oh, yeah. And who is Harry Kellerman. And that's the difference. It's yeah. like, I think you put it right. Like I, I understand why she won, but I, I'll probably always remember... Barbara Harris's performance before I remember Ruth Popper. Yeah, that's like top 10 for me. And I just yeah. watched it like three days ago. And I, I want to go back and watch it again and show other people yeah. too. So everyone should find it. <laughs> the Yeah, so I would say, and when you watch it, you so her scenes, they're, right after the audition scene, there's a scene where they're in an airplane. It goes on really very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then there's another scene of them together that's a little bit in shorter. In an apartment or something. Right? In an yeah. apartment. And that's a great scene. And then she's only in like... 30 seconds towards the end okay. um and like it's it's fine but okay the the real like the meat of the matter is this audition scene yeah um, it's extraordinary yeah 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 uh, uh. um and i i highly recommend um the north avenue irregulars for more barbara harris and more cloris leachman yeah just throwing it out be disappointed there. yeah Ah, uh, well, that, of course, I think leads us to our final segment of the evening, afternoon, or morning, depending on when you're listening. Yeah. Um, that is, of course, 
our BSA of the week, which is, uh, as you know, an actress, a performance, a person, a thing, a food, a song, anything in our lives that is operating like a best supporting actress in our lives. Um, so, uh, what's your BSA of the week? I mean, Colin, one word, Florence Pugh and Little Women. Really? Okay. Okay. Colin. This is great because I saw her in Midsummer and I thought she was amazing. Yes. Little Women is one of those like, ugh, I do not want to see this. So oh, sing out, Louise. Colin, tell me, tell I me, mean, tell me. Ugh, that was that was my next question. And I, I, I had a feeling that you were not um, fluent in Little Women. Not fluent in it, but like... Have you had you seen the 1994 version? Have you read the book? What is your what is your relationship to Little Women? Just to start there, so I um, I I've kind of always like I've, I'm familiar that there is a movie from 1994 with Winona Ryder, I yes. believe. Um, I I know that it's a book written by Louisa May Alcott, I yes, believe. Yes, yes. Um, and I know Greta Gerwig directed this new remake, mm -hmm. um, and that Saoirse Ronan's in it as well, and she's yes. great. Um, and I. I am very like I am so resistant to period stuff, okay. like period dramas, and they may end up being great. But if I am like reading the description and something says like, oh, you know, set during you know it, the late eighteen hundreds, I'm like, eh, next. Oh, so that's surprising, but I respect yeah. it. I respect it. That's fine. It doesn't mean I'm right. It does sure. not mean that I'm correct. It just means it's what I do. So, I did see something on Twitter where someone said like they don't like period pieces and everything about this movie is the opposite of what they don't like about period pieces. Like it's accessible. It, it doesn't have that, like, like that stuffy quality. Like it, it's very vibrant, but you tell me you've seen it. Go on. Oh, how much time do we have? I cannot express how much, how much I enjoyed this movie. I like wept through the whole thing just because I really, I've said this on Squirrel Friends too, that I really, really love Little Women a lot. I'm working my way through the book slowly but surely. Um, mm -hmm. I, the 1994 Winona Ryder version was very formative for me in my catalog, cataloging years. I think um, she's wonderful in it. I feel that she got an Oscar nomination for it actually. Um, Winona oh. Ryder did. Christian Bale is in it. He plays Laurie. Um, uh, Kirsten Dunst is in it. Susan Sarandon plays Marmy. Um, a lot of Eric Stoltz is in it. Uh, very of the time, redheaded Eric Stoltz. Um, and I just really love the story a lot. So I had that in my head knowing um, that this was going to be a little bit different too. And everyone has sort of been singing the praises of this I almost want to call it like an adaptation, which it kind of is uh, like at least Greta Gerwig's vision of how this movie should be sort of presented to the world. And it is so fresh and vibrant and not stiff. And like you said, accessible. And I would, I implore you to go see it. I, I, I feel like if you have the time and anyone to go see it, if, if you have, uh, I think that you're like kind of the perfect target audience for this, because I would be interested to see if it would maybe, um, you know, sort of that you would enjoy it and kind of let it wash all over you because I feel that there's something about the way that this is directed and the way that the performances are being executed that just there's no stiffness. It's it's very casual in a way. Um, oh, I okay, so let's just break this down here a bit because I, I mm -hmm. could go on forever too. But um, it 
Florence Pugh specifically, I, I have not seen Midsummer. I desperately want to see it, but I feel like I'll be freaked out. But I'll, I'll watch it someday. Um, There's a couple moments where you want to look away. Sure. And the first, like, 15 minutes are kind of got awful. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But after um, that, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. And I, I want to see it, if not for more Florence, honestly. Because um, she plays, mm. uh, in this movie, she plays Amy, which is the youngest sister who is often sort of pegged as the aggravating, sort of bratty, um, imposing younger sister. So it's like she has to fight that sort of, uh, you know, being pegged for that character. And she does it in a way she like uses all of that stuff for good and she is still able to make you like her and almost root for Amy too, because without giving like too many things away, she does something to Joe that's like, it's like unspeakable. It's just like, she does this thing about like halfway through the movie or a quarter of the way through that, um, make, should make you hate her. But it is, uh, I think in the 1994 adaptation, it's, it's not as justified. And Kirsten Dunst is a little bit more whiny. Um, but there's something about Florence Pugh's voice, like the sort of like deep velvety voice that she has. And she's able to, because Amy is one of the, I mean, everyone kind of evolves through time, but Amy goes from playing this younger woman to an older woman. And the way, like the voice work that she does with that too is so impressive. Um, mm-hmm. And she's so funny. And I think that like, and it's more fleshed out. A lot of the characters in this movie are so, and I don't know if that's sort of in honor of the book or um, to kind of really go f- more with that, or if it was a Greta Gerwig choice. And the whole movie is done out of sequence, which I really loved. I think in mm. so many ways, it is so clever and so smart. Um, Saoirse Ronan is transcendent in this role. Like, Joe mm-hmm. March is one of my favorite literary characters of all time. She is just it for me. And I I think she hit everything that I needed her to hit and more. And I, with that being said, Winona Ryder is awesome. Uh, also great in the 1994 version. Um, Meryl Streep oh, is doing some of her best Maggie Smith-esque scene stealing work as Aunt March. Um, I would mm-hmm. not be surprised if Meryl nabbed a best supporting. I pray that Florence Pugh gets nominated for an Oscar for this. Mm-hmm. I'm rooting for her. I'm rooting for her. I mean, J-Lo is great, but I know I, Florence Pugh has my vote for, wow. for this year. I uh, Without yeah. really trying to oversell this, because I, I don't want you to think, it's like I, I want to, I'm just excited about it, and I want to tell you and all of our listeners about it, but I, I want you to go in kind of just, you know, with a clean slate, which I'm sure you would do, but I, I don't want to... Um, you know, speaking hyperbole either too, but uh, it, she's really great. And the movie is great. And Laura Dern, I'd rather see Laura Dern win an Oscar for this role than what she probably will eventually right. win for marriage story too. So, right. Um, that's my yeah. official review. I loved it so much. I can't wait to see it again. And uh, it is, it's just really great. I mean, that is a pretty glowing review, and mm-hmm. I am willing to push through all of my completely unfounded, um, <laughs> you know, preconceived notions yeah. uh, to, and have them challenged. And also, I love Florence Pugh in yeah. uh, Midsummer. I think that she, like, I can already, I, the way that she played the role in that, like, I can tell, like, I know what you mean by the voice work and about her voice and, like, how that kind of informs yeah. the performance. And it really worked in Midsummer as well. Uh, so th- yeah, I I will 
I will absolutely see it then. Like you have completely sold me. I mean, for God's sake, like one of the words in the title is women. What am I, <laughs> you know, what, what's my problem? You, have you to. know, you're obligated. Oh, it yeah, is really so Ugh. great. And yeah, there's so much more I could even say about it too, but I, I will, I will hold my words. All right. And, I, yeah. then I will, cause I feel like, I mean, I feel like we could do like the BSAs of little women. So oh like, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that's another one that I could. All right. Yes. So I'll I'll watch it. Um, I'll I'll go see it soon so that we can do that. Yeah. Um, oh, and we God. can be like timely about I'm it. Yeah. Die. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. These BSAs of episodes are going to be so fun. Yeah. Like that. I think that'll be. Yeah. Um, but anyway, well, great. How are you. How about you, Colin? <clears throat> well, I um, I uh, I was just thinking the BSAs of Broadchurch. Um, but oh <laughs> um, man. <laughs> put that on the list um all three seasons uh yeah so i uh sort of bsa related i want to also see richard jewell because i just watched on youtube um kathy bates had one of those vanity fair career retrospective videos and i just fell in love with her yeah i was just like i mean i've always liked kathy bates but there was something about her where I was just like, I, you're great. I want you to win now. Like, I haven't even seen the performance, but just Kathy Bates as a woman. I was like, you're my, you're my kind of woman. Oh, she's Ugh. great. You're my kind of lady. And, um, I'm, so I'm kind of, I'm really curious to see that. Cause I just want to see what she's doing in that. Um, and so that is not my BSA of the week though. My BSA of the week is, um, it is Olivia Coleman in the crown. Ooh, tell me about it. So I I have not watched the first two seasons. Again, somewhat periody, but like once we yes. get to the sixties, I'm a little more forgiving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and obviously, I was really excited to see Olivia Coleman. And people have been saying, "Oh, you really should see it. It's really nuanced." Helena Bonham Carter is kind of doing best supporting actress work. Yeah. Um, and she is Helena Bonham Carter is she is doing really great work. Um. Olivia Coleman, I mean, like, compared to other things I've seen her in where she gets so, like, she gets opportunities to give very, if not completely freak out like she has in Broadchurch, mm-hmm. she gets to be very emotive. And I think the challenge that she has with Queen Elizabeth is that this is someone who's not emotional, mm-hmm. who, like, has a plot line about, like, not being an emotional person and, like, admits yeah. that there's something wrong with her. And I think the kind of like pressure and restraint that that creates around Olivia Coleman as an actress to still be interesting and to still find nuances and to still like create texture. It's so impressive. And, you know, I haven't finished the season and there may be other scenes coming that are going to be even more impactful, but there's an episode, I think it's like the fifth episode It's called coup. Um, C-O-U-P. And she has this scene with um, one of her, you know, attendee, attendees. And I could even, I could almost do it in the details on it because it is such a restrained performance, yeah. com- like conveying incredible emotion. I love and that. And the tiny choices, like she, instead of getting to cry, she gets to like quickly glance at someone and look away and you know there's tears in her eyes. Uh. Like, and that she has to pack everything into that choice. It's really really powerful work it is it is like some of the most like exacting acting i've ever seen um of someone who has like three ingredients and they have to make a feast and she does it yeah she can she is 
yeah, she's one of the, she's up there with like Meryl and Viola and mm. and and yeah. all the, all the greats too, like of our generation yeah. too. And I'm so I don't want to say it took her long enough to get there because she's been around too. We just haven't seen her. Uh, you know, Americans haven't seen her. And right, it's I mean, if you haven't watched Broadchurch again, please on Netflix, it is Ugh, well worth the just, watch. Yeah, yeah, for her yeah. alone. Yeah, for her alone, and then you get everything else. You know, as a little bit of a bonus. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, she is really, really remarkable, and I am glad that she did not get played off the stage at the Oscars. Like we are getting played off oh, right now, goodness, on our very own podcast. Ugh. Yeah, how dare they? Happens every time. Well, as we are as we are getting the countdown, uh, where where can people find more of you in this world um, if they just want to talk to you? Yeah, I mean they could find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov. If you want to talk about Little Women, any time of the day, drop me, yeah. slide into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you could also listen to me on my two other podcasts, the No Good, Very Bad Gay podcast, and also the Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour. How about you, Colin? Well, uh, you could find more of me on my podcast, In the Details, A Celebration of Nuance. Um, or All Right, Mary, queening out about drag queens and other drag competition reality TV shows. Uh, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. Um, and if you want to get in touch with both of us about any kind of best supporting actress related um, discussions, or you just really want to reach out to both of us and you yeah. figure there's an efficient way to do that, how would people do that? Yeah, you can always send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. Or, of course, reach out uh, to us on Twitter at BSAPod. Um, I know a couple of you have and, and uh, given us suggestions for things. I'm slowly filing them away for a rainy day to just like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited at the beginning of mm-hmm. all this too. And going into the new year, it's just such a an exciting new project for both of us. I think it's so, and we're just like, we're just beginning. We've only just begun. Yeah. And We've I can't only wait to just see. begun. Yeah. 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 I, uh. I, yeah, I'm so excited. One of my favorite things about 2020 is Best Supporting Podcast. Uh, me so, too. Uh, and, and so with that, I say thank you to all the Best Supporting Actresses, but especially, especially Cloris Leachman. Eileen uh, Brennan. Eileen you know, Brennan. Ellen Burstyn. Yes. Barbara Harris. Uh, uh, Margaret Layton, we did miss you. We see you over there getting a BAFTA. Yeah. Um, to I'm say like nothing. Sean Mendes. <laughs> to say nothing of Sean Mendes. Um, little women. And everyone. Little, little women. women. Oh, Joe March. Olivia Coleman. Uh, and thank beyond. you. Thank you. Thank you. And beyond. And we will be back next week with, um, you know, with more best supporting actressing. There's, there's a line at the end of the last picture show that I I think is perfect. Uh, as Dwayne is getting on the bus, he says, I'll see you in a year or two if I don't get shot. And I think that's the perfect point <laughs> as he's going to the I army. I think that as they say is that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So long. <laughs> <laughs>